Tavis Smiley, this is KBLA Talk 1580. Our phone number 1-800-920-1580, 1-800-920-1580. It's championship time, baby, and tomorrow night, Thursday, game one of the NBA Finals featuring the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat. In this hour, then, uh, two conversations on the B side of this hour. We'll check in with our sports guy, Ray Richardson, about this year's Finals and what he expects uh, it's been a fascinating journey getting to these two final teams, the Nuggets and the Heat. So we'll get uh, uh, Ray's take on, uh, again, what he um, anticipates happening uh, starting uh, tomorrow night. Uh, but at the top of this hour, please be joined now by author and historian Claude Johnson about basketball culture, the social impact of basketball and its stars, and the overarching transformative power inherent in all sports, but particularly, and I think uniquely, in the game of basketball. Uh, so pleased to welcome uh, Claude Johnson back to this program. Claude, how are you today, sir? Good. Thank you, Tavis. It's really an honor to be back with you, and I appreciate it very much. It's great to have you on. We enjoyed our conversation immensely last time talking about the Black Fives uh, and the Black Fives Foundation. We'll get to a bit of that again uh, later in this half hour. But I, I want to start, though, as I said, broadly Talking about the game of basketball, the impact that the game has had, and certainly this is a sport uh, that is dominated uh, by African-American players, and we talked about that a bit uh, when you were last on this program again, talking about the Black Fives. But but, but broadly speaking, and we'll narrow in, in the next 30 minutes here, but broadly speaking, uh, and I don't want to color this question too much, uh, give me your assessment uh, in, in late modernity, in real time, um, your assessment of basketball culture in this country. Yeah, thank you, Tavis. I mean, b- basketball culture is hugely important right now in the sense that, you know, how, how its influence, its influence and its, it, uh, the level of influence that it has on, uh, youth, on, um, on popular culture, on people, on Americans, and just in, in general, the, uh, overseas, worldwide. And that's because, uh, the popularity is interlinked and intermingled also with the popularity of music and hip hop culture and just our own our own culture, black culture. And you can't really you can't really separate them. And you know the the fact that African American culture and hip hop culture are so vast and important in terms of just not only not only finance and monetary and and the, the economics of it, but also the influence of it makes basketball really important, um, the, the platform that these players have and uh, the causes that they're behind. Um, you know, they set the tone. They validate what's going on. They, they inform uh, up-and-coming um, generations of, as, they, as they always have, even since the very beginning, which I point out in my book. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's an exciting time if that responsibility is handled properly. Um, you know, with that great platform and that great influence comes also a uh, great responsibility. Yep. We'll talk in a moment here about uh, about that responsibility uh, being handled properly. But let me ask you to say a bit more uh, uh, here about uh, this unique intersection of black culture, hip hop culture and, and and the NBA basketball. Say a bit more about about that unique intersection. Yeah, I mean, so. Going back, right, back to the very beginning of black basketball, enterprising um, black basketball entrepreneurs and promoters realized that, that because they were playing in ballrooms that were empty, there was an opportunity to bring in jazz orchestras to play before the game, during halftime, and after the game. So the marriage of music and basketball 
is a is a black innovation that goes back more than a hundred years. Yes, right. And so that was always those two elements were always brought together. So the the earliest basketball ads for black games it always said basketball and dance. So basketball was two words. So basketball and dance, and that's because people had no social media back then, right? So this was a way to come together and and form meaningful uh, you know social gatherings that meant a lot. Not just because they were fun and it was a party, but because people could actually share information. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were from South Carolina or from Georgia, but you were up in New York City, now you could find out what was going on. And so that marriage continued all the way through, you know, into modern times. And um, it's it's slept on right now, but it's super important that music uh, and the game um, have always been connected, and especially in black culture. So they, they've always gone together. And that's why you have, you know, hip-hop artists um, are always featured at, at courtside, right? Who's <laughs> who's, at, who's at court side? Who's, who's in the first row? Yeah, and then and then vice versa. You know, hip hop artists are constantly uh, throwing bars about you know some NBA stars, right? And and so um, there's, there's there's you know mo- there's that saying you know hip hop stars want to be athletes and athletes want to be hip hop stars, right? Mm-hmm. In some cases that ha- that is both happens, you know. So it's, I think it's really important, and um, we're you know it's a it's probably more uh, important and, and influential and prevalent and a, a greater opportunity that we're poised for than ever before. Yeah. Um, I remember running into Shaq one day. And Shaq and I know each other, but we ran into each other at a, <laughs> at a, at a restaurant uh, not too far from the studio that he loved to uh, loved to visit when he was playing for the Lakers uh, with uh, alongside, of course, the great Kobe Bryant. And I'm not sure that Shaq appreciated my comment. I said it to him as lovingly as I could, but that was back in the day when Shaq uh, was trying to be a hip hop star. Some of y'all recall that when, we're, when Shaq was trying, chickens, right? exactly. Shaq was trying to put out some, trying to be a hip hop star. And, and 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 I said to him as lovingly as I could. We were sitting out having a sandwich together. And I'm like Shaq, you know what? If you win some championships first, <laughs> oh, the, the, the road the road to being a hip hop star would be I, I think would be a lot a lot more easily paved for you. I was trying to impress upon him as lovingly as I could. You got to win some championships first, man. Because once you do that, the, the the world is your oyster. But he, I thought, wasn't as focused as much as he should have been. And I'm this is Tabby Smiley. I ain't Kobe. Kobe, we know Kobe had issues with him about not coming into camp in shape, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I had issues with this brother trying to do everything else. He was getting commercials. He's trying to be a hip hop star. I'm like, brother, win some championships first. And then all the other yeah. stuff will come after that. So I, I, I take your point about the intersection of these things, but sometimes some of these basketball stars get ahead of themselves. Uh, I mean, Dame Littered, uh, Dame is one of the best players in the league. But to your point, all these guys want to put out rap records. They all want to be hip-hop stars. So you're right. Hip-hop stars want to be athletes. Athletes want to be hip-hop stars. I take your point. When we come forward, um, we were just spent we just spent an hour talking about the hegemonic nature of black language with this Oxford Dictionary mm. of African-American Words coming out uh, soon here. We just spent an hour talking about, again, the, the hegemonic nature worldwide of black language. The same can be said of, 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 of black folk in the NBA. Uh, you mentioned earlier the European players. I want to come to that in just a moment here because there's so many now European players in the league. You got Luca in Dallas. How much longer? I don't know. But you got you got Luca down in Dallas. The MVP, uh, uh, the Joker, uh, will put his uh, put his uh, experience and his expertise and his talent on display again uh, tomorrow night in Game One of the NBA Finals, uh, featuring the Nuggets uh, and and the Heat. You got all these European players. 
but it's fascinating to me that white folk around the world are watching these brothers here stateside, and they too want to be a part of the NBA. So once again, whether it's, whether it's sports, whether it's music, whether it's fashion, whether it's language, what we do impacts the entire world. We'll talk more about it with Claude Johnson when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. Good thing we've got three hours. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward. <laughs> Let's get back to Claude Johnson on KBLA Talk 1580, author, historian, and the founder of the Black Fives Foundation, a renowned organization dedicated to researching, preserving, showcasing, and teaching the pre-NBA history of African-American basketball. Talking in this hour on the eve of Game 1 uh, in the NBA Finals tomorrow night uh, featuring the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat. Um, we were talking, again, a moment ago, I was talking at least about the fact that in our first hour today, uh, Claude Johnson, we were... Uh, we spent an hour uh, with uh, Professor Aleem out of UCLA talking about this forthcoming Oxford Dictionary of Black Words, basically. Uh, the Oxford Dictionary of African American English, to be exact. Uh, and so we were talking about the way in which our language um, has uh, just impacted the world. And all around the world, people use uh, the language that we create. Uh, it's hard to you know, turn on any TV commercial. You think of anything produced by Madison Avenue, again, the language of black people is hegemonic uh, around the globe. Again, the same can be said, though, of the NBA. So you got people all around the world watching the NBA, watching these brothers do what they do so well, and everybody around the world wants to do the same thing. They first start in their own country, but they ultimately want to get uh, to the U.S. of A. and play in the NBA because of what they see these brothers doing. Uh, we were just talking during the break there, and I had kind of, kind of forgot about this. The last five MVPs in the NBA are all international players. The Joker won two, yeah. the Joker won two, the Greek freak Giannis won two, and Joel Embiid wins this year. So the last five MVPs yeah. in the league are all international players. Oh, from overseas. Overseas, yeah. yeah. That doesn't yeah. happen if they're not watching these brothers do what they do. No, no doubt. I mean, there's a, there's a really important link, and um, it's not just language, uh, as you mentioned, Tavis, or even – or even sports, but just our culture. If you if you look at the influence of our of black culture, the creativity of black culture around the world, and even you know if you look at the economics of it, if you had no hip hop, that means ninety percent of the revenue right that's being spent outside of black communities, you know, would disappear. So a lot of people making money on black culture, even if they're even if they're copying last summer's dance, right? So you can take stuff from us this summer or even last week, and once it once it hits the mainstream, we make up something brand new out of nothing. We've mm-hmm. always done that. All whether it's new forms of music, new moves, um, you know, whatever, whatever it is. And so I think uh, I just want to make a point about using using platforms, you know, for causes and for for social good, which is the the opportunity that a lot of these players have, whether they're whether they're international. Uh, white, black, whatever nationality, is that you have this opportunity to influence voting and social causes and and uh, community and education. And these are all really important because we now have the advent of uh, AI, right? So chat, chat GPT. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at what are the, if you even ask chat GPT, what are the most prominent jobs that are going to be um, that are going to be in most high demand 
with the advent of ChatGPT, ChatGTP itself will tell you that it's jobs that involve creativity and emotional IQ mm-hmm. and athleticism and empathy and presence and being conscious, right? So who else embodies that the most but us, right? So I predict that some of these platforms that NBA players use going forward are going to start focusing on these qualities, enhancing these qualities, because this is what we're going to need in the future. So if you look at Donovan Mitchell's Spider Cares uh, charity, you know, it's, it's hard work, empathy, and leadership, mm-hmm. right? So he's already got the word empathy in there. Same thing with I Promise High School, LeBron's Project, or Why Not, Russell Westbrook. All of these um, focus on, you know, being present. Yeah. Um, and our slogan is make history now, which is not just make this history relevant, but also how do we uh, make choices and be present so that we can um, change the trajectory of the future based on what we do today. Yeah. So I think that's really important, and that's what all these previous pioneers like Bill Russell, MJ, Kobe, and others did. Yeah. Um, you made a point earlier, though, that that power that uh, that is uh, so prevalent amongst these NBA stars um, only matters if they use it responsibly. Um, did I hear in there an implicit critique that there are some who you think are not using their power and their platform and prestige responsibly? Well, you know, there's some mistakes that you could argue, you know, that were that were made, like like in the case of John Morant who's incredibly influential and mm-hmm. uh, all it takes is just flipping that switch a slightly different way. And now he could make a difference, a, a completely different difference. But I don't really, I don't believe in, um, you know, uh, uh, criticizing people because everybody has their own journey, right? We don't know the inner workings of somebody who got to this point and why they did what they did. It could be because of access to information. It could be the influences of, home life or whatever the case it was, but we all have a chance to redeem ourselves, right? And to come correct. Um, You know, that, that's, that's the same thing as being down zero three and coming back to tie the game, right? You've got to figure out a way to make an adjustment. Um, And so, uh, you know, and I think that's what's, that's what sports is all about too. It's, it's you can be, and and, and think about it like this finals is even an, an example of that. You have, the, the lowest seed in the in, in, in the Eastern Conference, mm-hmm. the Miami Heat, historically going to the finals. Um, and then you also have a team that's never been in the finals, the the Denver Nuggets, with a chance to win for the first time. So yeah. people love that. They love, you know, the underdog coming coming in and both of these teams are underdogs. That's what's gonna make it really, really exciting. I think I think it's gonna be exciting. Uh, I'm going out on a limb here. I don't know how big the ratings are going to be. Um, I think it's going to be exciting. Um, I would venture to say it will not be one of the highest rated NBA finals. That's just me. Uh, for those who know the game of basketball, you got two good teams. So they're, you, to your point, they're going to be really good games, I suspect. Um, ratings wise, I don't know how that's going to, how that's going to pan out. Back to your point though about Ja Morant, and I'm not excusing his behavior. He, he seems to be, a, you know, at the moment behaving like a knucklehead and I'll, I'll say that. Uh, but but I also get I'm also troubled by the fact when I turn on ESPN or Fox Sports or just read or watch anything sports related, 
sometimes I think that the sports commentators, including my friend Stephen A. Smith, um, go in a little hard on some of these players, uh, particularly in the case of John Morant. I think we lose sight of how young and how immature these players are. And I think because they're playing a man's game, because they're making money that we can never even imagine making in our lifetimes, much less in a particular season, um, I think we lose sight of how young and how immature some of these persons are. I don't know what's to be done about that, um, but I think that our critique has got to be, um, you know, Jesse Jackson, my, my friend Reverend Jackson, uh, says all the time that content without context is pretext. Content without context is pretext. So jaw ought to be uh, ought to be taking the task, no question about it. But I think sometimes we lose sight of how young and immature these players are when they make it to the NBA, Claude Johnson. Yes. No, I agree. I mean, I have three sons. They're all student athletes, right? Um, and uh, in college, D1. Um, and, uh, you know, my, my oldest just graduated. Uh, he has now got a PR job in New York City, but he was a cornerback. He won four conference titles in, in football uh, out in California. Um, next one is a senior at the University of Michigan. Uh, he's already won two Big Ten titles, and he'll, he'll be back. He's a wide receiver. Uh, scored two touchdowns against Ohio State last year. There you go. Year. There you go. <laughs> if you're an Ohio State fan, I can't do nothing for you. I'm sorry, but that's what happened. And we're back again this year. Yeah. And then my youngest plays basketball, and he committed to play at the United States Naval Academy starting in the fall. And so as a dad. An- another, another, another David Robinson in the making, huh? Yeah, except he's the Commodore of the, the floor, the floor Commodore. Not, not the Admiral, so we'll the Commodore. I got you, that. I got you, I got you, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let the, let the Admiral be, stay the Admiral. Yeah. But the thing is, I mean, I, as a dad of these, of these, of these young men, um, I, I completely understand and appreciate the influences that they are subjected to, right? And so I, it's a blessing that we were able to, as parents, um, you know, get like intervene and get in ahead of that with a little bit more of just presence and and just pause for a second and what are you doing and you know whether that's finding your mouth guard or your helmet or or finding you know finding you know this, where, where's your shoe where's this where's that like where's the thing that you need to get into the game whatever so yeah. credentials whatever it is and 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 like you, you don't know all these kids that are talented don't always have that same level of background and. And context that that they can even move into, or that that can even um, you know guide them. You know, yeah. this this guard, guardrails, right? And so I'm always very empathetic. Where I always look at, okay, yeah, that happened, and yes, that's inexcusable. But to your point, Tavis, I mean, that the answer isn't just to tell everybody how bad this is. Exactly. Right. The the answer should be, okay, wait a minute, what? What are what are some things we can do? Like who is he hanging out with? Who, who are his boys? Like who's 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 in 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 his inner circle? Who's what's what's where's his mindset? You know what's up with that, right? And and I'm sure that the the players union, um, you know, and, and and others are involved in helping with that, right? Because yeah. they they care a lot of not just because because these players are assets, but also they're humans. You know yeah. that's what it boils down to, and they're and they're kids to your point. Yeah. Um, looking at my clock here, I've got about three and a half, uh, four minutes left in this conversation. Let me let me pivot to this right quick um, and ask whether or not you are surprised. I think that's the right word. Are, are you surprised or not 
given the value of the NBA and, and value, I'm talking now about the the, the, the monetary value, the, the worth of these teams. And, I, and I'm asking this question because I could give you any number of uh, examples uh, over, his, uh, over history, and you know this well, you are a historian, where when a particular thing gets to be too black, it loses its value. You take my point, do you not? <laughs> that when something yes. uh, gets too black, it loses its value. That's true for black neighborhoods. Uh, it, it's true for it's true for any number of things I could lay out. Just watching my time, I ain't got time to unpack it more. But you take what I'm my point here that oftentimes a game when something becomes too colored, it, it becomes too black, it starts to diminish in value. That has not been the case for the NBA. What say you about that reality? Well, the only the only thing that doesn't lose its value when it becomes too black is back in the days of the plantation, right? You hear me? Yeah. So you have to also look at that and say, okay, wait a second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, point well taken. Right? Yeah. Right, and so, so you know, there's two sides to that, right? And um, one side is, okay, how much power and how much empowerment and agency do these players have? And if they have too much and it's and it loses, and the, the ownership um, loses control uh, without getting their benefit out of it, then that's when it becomes an issue. But yeah. right now, the, the, the economics of it, you know, and the leadership of the union, honestly, because there's three parts to the league, right? There's the league office, the union, and then the team. Mm-hmm. And so they've been able to exert their leverage because of who they are. All the things that we see, I can't breathe, T-shirts, et cetera, those are initiatives of the union, and that slips it around because it didn't always used to be that way, right? So as long as there's a strong union and strong union leadership um, and 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 uh, voices, then um, you know that will that will stay because there's too much money yeah. um, being made, and and so I think they all I think everyone involved really understands that, and 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 that's why you know this responsibility and 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 the platform. Uh, will continue because it's important to both sides. Yep. I got 45 seconds here. Uh, how's the work of the Black Fives Foundation coming along? We're doing great. Uh, we are pivoting into a, a space where we can grow and, and be bigger. And, and uh, you know, for example, looking at, uh, we're talking about having an, an actual brick and mortar museum. Um, we're, we're, we're expanding into education and continuing with the Big East and with other basketball conferences and so we're really pleased and grateful with the way things are going we are honored always uh to have you uh, on this uh, program and we salute and celebrate the work again of the black fives foundation an organization as i said earlier dedicated to researching preserving showcasing and teaching the pre-nba history of african-american basketball there is no nba uh, uh, if not for black players and not just the ones you see today, but historically, uh, it was uh, black folk who built this league uh, that now uh, will showcase its uh, premier annual event uh, starting tomorrow night. Uh, the NBA Finals, the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat game one Thursday. In a moment, we'll talk to our sports guy, Ray Richardson, to get his take on what he expects uh, will happen in, in, in these finals. But for now, we thank Claude Johnson for coming on. Claude, all the best to you, my friend. Appreciate you. Thank you, Tavis. I appreciate it. Have a good one. You too, sir. At the top of our third hour, Kim, uh, the great recording artist, joins us live in studio. But when we come forward after news, traffic, and sports, we'll talk to our sports guy, Ray Richardson, on KBLA Talk 1580. 
I'm Tavis Smiley. He's our sports guy, Ray Richardson. You hear his voice every half hour uh, here on KBLA Talk 1580 during the weekdays. And on the weekends, you can catch his program, his fine program, Out of Bounds with Ray Richardson on Saturdays at 7 p.m. here on KBLA Talk 1580. Ray, how are you, sir? Good morning, sir. How are you? Man, if I complained, I'd be an ingrate. Good to be on with you. Thank you for the time. Uh, let me start with what you just talked about in your sports report. Um, the way you see it, um, in these NBA finals, which, uh, again, commence tomorrow night between the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat, uh, your belief is that Miami has a coaching advantage. Um, your sports reports tend to be a minute long. Uh, you got a little bit more time right about now. So <laughs> unpack for me. I think I get it, but unpack me why you think that um, Denver may be at risk of being outcoached by the Miami Heat. Well, it goes back to a little history. Eric Spoelstra had the um, what they call the, the, the Heatles back in the day with LeBron and uh, Chris Bosh and, uh, and Dwayne Wade. Mm-hmm. And there were times when people thought, that he might not survive that. There were people who thought that he was over his head trying to coach a team with that much talent. And there were times when he he wasn't going to survive, but he did. And I think it proved that he is maybe one of the more underrated coaches in the NBA. He has been through the storm. When you have so much uh, hype and and attention with a team like that, and they won two titles with those three guys uh, out of the four years they went to the finals. He went to four straight finals with that group and survived a lot of trauma, a lot of, uh, you know, backstabbing and haterism. He survived it all, and I think he learned from that. And I think it's going to really help him get ready for this next round. And we saw it again uh, against Boston. He had his team uh, on the ropes for, you know, for about, <laughs> about a week. They couldn't get one game for a week. And he got them prepared enough to get game seven. And it just shows uh, a little bit more of his uh, fortitude and, and his experience of being through the tough times to get through it, we haven't seen that in Mike Malone with Denver yet. I, I just don't have enough equity in him to think that he can maybe be in a position to outcoach Spolstra. He certainly has not been there and done that, but Spolstra has. Yep. A couple of things in that regard. Number one, it, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> it doesn't hurt when you have Pat Riley uh, standing behind you, looking over your shoulder, offering his advice. That guy knows something about winning championships. Oh, of course. I mean, that's a major plus. And, and not only has he been standing behind uh, Spolster's shoulders, but he has supported him. And that's been a real big factor in Spolster's development as a coach. Pat Riley could have caved into all the pressure to get rid of Spolster back then, but he did not. He stuck with him. And I, I think that, that support and that allegiance to Spolster buying into Riley's system has paid off. And and we're going to see that in the next few days. We've already saw it. And the, the Boston Celtics series showed a lot about Miami Heat's attitude and makeup as a, as a team and as a franchise. These guys, they, they've been through, you know, been through a war already, and I don't think they are intimidated by Denver at all. And Pat Riley has a lot to do with that. He's built a very strong winning culture there. Yep. So there are three things in that regard I want to uh, give you a chance to unpack. Number one, how much difference does it make? I sometimes think these these things are sort of overrated, but let me just tell you where I want to go here. One, how mm-hmm. much difference does it make that Denver has never done this before? Um, Miami's done it a number of times, but to your point, when they were on that run, none of those guys are still playing. Bosch is gone. Dwayne Wade is gone. LeBron's still in the league, but of course playing for the Lakers. So Denver's never been there. Um, 
but it ain't like this team, this Miami team, has been there a bunch of times either. Is that really much ado about nothing that Denver's never played in the NBA Finals? Uh, you could take it either way. You know, the point I made earlier was really about Spolstra as a coach because he, he knows preparation for the Finals as much as anybody. We, we still don't know about Malone. Mm-hmm. You know, does he know how to get ready for, for this round of trying to win a title? Now, he's got a great team. He has got an outstanding team to work with and maybe one of the better centers that's ever played this game. He He's a rookie at this, but he's got a lot to work with. So that's going to be in his favor. So the one element that may be a factor for him in game one is that his team has been off for almost 10 days. Mm-hmm. We're going we're gonna to see how good a coach he is in terms of how he has kept his team ready over the past eight to nine days to keep them sharp, keep a rhythm in, in their play to kind of keep them focused because after they swept the Lakers, they've been idle. So it's going to be up to Malone to kind of get these guys revved up again and get them ready for a very, very mm. good value team. So what do, you, what do you expect in game one, given how long they've been sitting, rest or rust? Uh, you may see a little bit of both, but I think the rest will help them immensely. But it's the rust factor that they're going to have to probably overcome as well as anybody. The fact that they're at home, will help them a lot. Uh, they've got that comfort zone there playing in, in the mile-high altitude. I think that that altitude factor is going to be an undercurrent theme that you may see Miami get affected by that until they get used to that. They came off a very emotional series against Boston, and now they're playing against a much better team in Denver, but can they handle that environment? There's been a, a pretty good history of players who have not been able to handle that adjustment right off. It takes him a couple of days to get used to that. To me, I'm going to see how energetic Miami will be in that first few minutes of the game. That could dictate a little bit how game one goes. Yeah. So here's the here's the um, the, the penultimate question for me. I don't know which Miami team shows up. Um, you mentioned that Miami-Boston series. Let's spend a few minutes talking about that because I've never seen anything quite like that in my in my life. So mm-hmm. Miami goes up. They go into Boston. They win those first couple of games in Boston. It, it, they just rock the Celtics, um, and 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 everybody, including Barkley and Shaquille and 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 the Jet, everybody on TNT. Uh, you know, you, you've seen the commentary. They've lost heart. I can't believe they gave up. All that yeah. all that stuff was coming out of their mouths uh, when Boston uh, ultimately uh, went down uh, 0-3. and then they come back. And they win three straight, and they're on the verge mm-hmm. of doing something that's never been done. A hundred, I, I, I listen to your sports report every day, so you know uh, 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 that I'm serious about that when I quote this stat because I got this from you. A hundred and fifty teams said Ray Richardson. Yep. <laughs> You're right. A hundred and fifty teams have, have have been in this situation before, uh, and nobody has ever come back from uh, you know being down three zero. Uh, to win the series. Boston's on the verge of doing that at home, and they get blown out. Didn't help that Jason Tatum got hurt early on in the game. Yeah. But the point the point here is that I don't know which Miami team shows up. The one that went into Boston and, and just pulled their heart out of them and went up 3-0, or the one that then couldn't close out and let Boston beat them three games in a row, which Miami team shows up in Denver? That's a that's a good question. Um, I think people are going to expect to see the team that showed up in Game Seven yeah. to deal with Denver. Uh, that was the real Miami Heat that, that people had seen in the playoffs. Keep in mind now, the Miami Heat were a, a number eight seed, so they they've been trying to build things and put things together all season long. 
and it's finally come together for them. And you got a glimpse of what this team can be like and how they played in Game 7. Now, they actually won this series in, game, in the first two games in Boston. They set the tone. When you go into Boston and win two games in a series like that and go 2-0 on their floor, mm-hmm. you have pretty much gave yourself a pretty nice cushion. They, they needed all, all two of those games and one more to survive that 0-3 onslaught that Boston came back on them. I, I think that's going to serve them well in this next round that they you know, were able to regroup, uh, get refocused, and still get the job done. And according to Jimmy Butler, he he was the only one that was saying, hey, we're going to win this no matter what. Even when it looked bad, when they had to go back to Boston game seven, Jimmy Butler was still confident in his uh, in his message to tell everybody, you know, we got to go back, but we're going to get it done. And, yep. and they got it done. Yep. When we come forward, I want to talk specifically about Jimmy Buckets. Um, because that's that's a bad boy, man. That's a bad boy. As yeah, you mentioned, yeah. as you mentioned, Denver's got an amazing team. Uh, we were just talking uh, in the first half hour of this hour uh, with Claude Johnson, uh, author, historian, and founder of the Black Fives Foundation. We were talking about um, his take on the culture of, of the NBA, the culture of basketball, and the social impact of it of, of the sport and its stars, and the transformative power it really has. Uh, in a way that's uniquely different than all other sports. But I, I made the point to him in that conversation that the last five players to win the MVP, telling you stuff that you already know, are international players. You know, the Joker won it twice. Uh, the Greek freak, Gian- Giannis, won it twice. And, of course, Joel Embiid this year. So they're going up against a two-time MVP in uh, in Nikola Jokic. So we'll talk about him. But this Jimmy Buckets, man, he <laughs> Is 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 some kind of player? So I, I want to sort of give you a, give you a chance to handicap um, the way you see this thing sort of playing out. Again, game one tomorrow night of the NBA Finals, the Denver Nuggets and Miami Heat. We're talking with our guy, our sports guy, Ray Richardson, right now on KBLA Talk fifteen eighty. Ray Richardson, let me let me pivot just for a second here. Um, I, I also said earlier in this conversation, uh, this hour, I should say, in conversation with Claude Johnson moments ago, that I'm not sure what the ratings are going to look like on this particular series. I mean, you got two great teams. I think they're going to be uh, uh, there's going to be some good games in these finals between the Nuggets and the Heat. Uh, I'm just not sure whether or not it's going to be the one of the most watched finals. Um, your take on what you expect the ratings to be or not? Uh, could be an issue. Um, I know the NBA likes to have the, the major big markets. Uh, they were praying for L.A. and Boston <laughs> to get to the finals again. <laughs> yeah to have that rematch and, and start all the conversation about, you know, the 80s and the 70s and all that. Um, I think the, the appeal of Nikola Jokic is going to help drive this series a little bit more than what people think. A lot of people have not had a chance to see this guy up close as much as we've seen him in these playoffs. Uh, Denver is not a team that's on national TV much. And I also think that the, the Jimmy Butler factor with Miami – is going to help drive some numbers as well. Uh, people seem to gravitate toward the way Jimmy approaches the game. Uh, hard nose, no nonsense. Uh, doesn't doesn't cause a lot of fuss. Doesn't say a lot of stupid things. He's a he has his work ethic is good, and I think people will like to see that. Now, will it attract the masses? That that's a good question to kind of monitor during the series. But I, I still think this is a good enough matchup that it's going to attract the, the true basketball fans for sure. But the NBA and ABC want to attract those other fans who normally don't watch basketball. Those are the folks that they may have to worry about, you know, can they pull them in? 
But there's no question that this is going to be a sizzling matchup. It, it's really worth watching. And if you're a basketball purist and a basketball fan, you're going to love this series. Yep. So here's my question. Why is it, whenever we have these conversations about the greatest players uh, in the current NBA, as a matter of fact, I saw Dame Lillard, uh, Dame Time, was online the other day, and he suggested or said, in fact, that he thinks the Joker is probably the best player in the league right now. That's Dame Lillard saying that he thinks that uh, uh, Nikola Jokic, the Joker, is the best player in the NBA right now. Here's my question. Why is it that when we talk about the best players in the NBA, Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Bucket's name is never in that conversation? It, it hasn't been in that conversation lately, and I don't think it ever will get to that point. But Jimmy has certainly established himself as a big-time marquee player in these playoffs. He he has pretty much brought Miami to this point almost by himself. Yes. Although he's had a lot of he all he had a lot of help in Game Seven. Now we got to give some love to Khalid Martin and sure. Duncan Robinson. They mm-hmm. they uh they carried their load big time. But but Jimmy has matured and and matriculated so much over the course of his eight-year career. I mean, we've seen him come from being like the last player picked in the first round, and he was pretty marginal coming out of Marquette. He Mm -hmm. was not somebody you were going to look at and say, hey, this guy's going to be a a big-time star. He had to develop his game into where he's at now, and some of that goes to his work ethic. You know, he had to work to get to this point, and I, I think people like that And when they see players put the work in to become better, and he's also confident. He is not he is not phased by a lot. I mean, he mm-hmm. he seems to know that if he's got to get something done, he's going to get it done. And I, you cannot put him in the conversation of the, of the best player in the game right now. But I would put him in the conversation maybe being the best player in the playoffs right now. Mm. Uh, because he has he's brought Miami to this point, and without him, they wouldn't be there. Yeah. Uh, nothing, nothing against Jokic. Jokic is going to be a handful for Miami to deal with, but Jimmy Butler right now gets my vote as the MVP of the playoffs. Yeah, I don't know who guards the Joker. <laughs> I mean, I, I I ain't mad at Bam, but I I, don't, my, I see Miles shaking his head. They, they ain't got nobody for him. Right? Who's, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's nobody to guard him. We'll talk about that in a bit more in our remaining moments with uh, our sports guy, Ray Richardson, when we come forward on KBL. Brilliant, uh, amazing recording artist. Kim is in the building, so we'll talk to Kim uh, in about five minutes uh, for our third and final hour today. Can't wait to get that brother in studio. If you never checked out our live stream, now would be a good time to turn it on. Uh, you can watch Kim live with us in studio. Uh, in uh, just uh, moments from now. All right, Miles and JD, get on the mic before I before I let uh, <laughs> let let our expert before the expert sounds off on what he expects in these series. Our sports guy Ray Richardson. All right, Miles, um, number eight seed ain't no joke. Them suckers beat the number one seed, the Bucks. Mm-hmm. They beat the number two seed, the Celtics. So who you got in the finals, Denver or Miami? I got uh, Denver winning in five games. I see Jokic getting finals MVP with another triple-double series, Man. and uh, I think he takes the claim as the best player in the world after this series. Wow. All right, J.D., who you got? Uh, get on the mic. Who, who, who you got before we, before we yield to Ray? Unfortunately, Denver. I love Jimmy Butler. but Why, why, why unfortunately? I, I, I want the Heat to win, man. I, I love what they're doing. They're playing without one of the best players. Jimmy Butler has stepped up all yeah. playoffs, but – Denver's just too good, too big, too talented. Jokic, best player in the league right now. How impressed were you in this last series by Jimmy Butler? I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed because it it just proved what kind of mentality he has Mm -hmm. as a player. I mean, he just 
he has a will to win that I haven't seen in a long time from any NBA player. Yeah. So these are my two guys. Um, uh, Miles uh, is my my board op. JD's my producer. They're huge basketball fans. Uh, I was just laughing, Ray. He said, "Unfortunately, Denver." <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm like, okay. All right, Ray. So that's Miles, and that's that's JD. What does our sports expert Ray Richardson say? about what he expects uh, we will see in these NBA Finals, which begin tomorrow night, Game 1 uh, in Denver, the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat. Ray, take it away. Uh, no disrespect to my youngsters in there, but as an elder in this situation, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surprise them and, and pick Miami to win Game 1. I, I just have a feeling these guys are on a serious roll right now, and they're not undaunted. They're not daunted by anything. They're not intimidated. Mm-hmm. And I got a feeling this could be a surprise development in this series because of what they've been through. And keep your eye on uh, Adebayo. I know his name has come up a lot. Mm-hmm. But Bam is going to be a different kind of matchup for Jokic that he has not seen too much of. Uh, I like the way Adebayo plays. When he's focused and when he's moving around, Jokic is not a mobile player. He's going to have a hard time defending Bam if Bam gets on the move and, and, and handles the ball and puts the ball on the floor a little bit. Take that guy to the basket, and, and Bam can do that. I, I want to see how Jokic's defense gets affected by trying to defend uh, Adebayo, not just in the, in the paint, but maybe in that mid-range area because he's going to bring him away from the basket, mm-hmm. and I think that's going to be a real key development to keep Jokic away from the hoop, and I think Bam can do that. Okay, so, so, so I hear the upset alert in game one, but as you well know, it's a seven-game series. Can Miami beat yep. Denver four times? Oh, ah, exactly. <laughs> now you sound like JD. Well, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I, do, I do feel like Denver is going to get um, – Get get their best matchup in the playoffs so far. This is yeah. going to challenge Malone and his coaching staff okay. to make the right adjustments and make the right calls. This is not going to be an easy run for Denver. I'm a little hesitant to pick either way right now, mm-hmm. but I do think Miami's going to really test Denver a lot more than they expect. I receive it. Um, the good news is that every day uh, during these playoffs, you'll be hearing the voice of Ray Richardson with his take, his breakdown of what happened the night before, what to look for on the night of, uh, as you'll hear uh, tomorrow uh, in his sports report, uh, gearing up, I'm sure, for game one tomorrow night of the NBA Finals uh, uh, featuring the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat. For now, Ray, we appreciate you, man. We'll talk to you soon. We'll, we'll, we'll hear your voice in, in a couple minutes, as a matter of fact. But but thanks for, thanks for coming on for these 30 minutes. I appreciate you. No problem. By the way, please tell Kim I have done a lot of Chicago-style stepping to his music. I love his music. I think he just heard you, and the audience will enjoy him when he comes forward uh, in a moment after news, traffic, and sports on KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA 1580 Santa Monica.